Welcome to the Insurance Talent Podcast, featuring insights and discussion on key talent and leadership topics in an evolving marketplace. Welcome to the Insurance Talent Podcast. I'm Greg Jacobson, co-CEO of the Jacobson Group. In today's episode, we'll be talking with Jeff Reeder, partner at Aon and head of Ward, a leading provider of industry benchmarking and best practices services, to discuss the results of our recent third quarter insurance labor market study. Jacobson and Aon have been partnering in this semi-annual study for the past 13 years, and it serves as a great indicator on what the industry can expect from a recruiting and hiring standpoint for the coming year. So Jeff, before we get into the results and some of the commentary, can you just tell us a little bit about the study? Yeah, we started the study in 2009, and it's now in its 27th iteration. The most recent study surveyed HR leaders from insurance carriers across all industry sectors from July 11th through July 31st of 2022. The main goal of the study is to uncover and analyze current labor trends, staffing expectations and challenges, enabling us to provide insights around the overall state of the insurance labor market. Great. So um, let's just jump right in. There's a lot going on, I think, and I'm hearing a lot, and you probably are with your clients as well, uh, concerns about hiring people. We have you know, uh, over 400,000 open jobs in finance and insurance right now. The unemployment rate is about 2.1%, although actually that's not really that much higher than it has been on average for the last 10 years. I think the last 10 years in the insurance industry has been about 2.5%. Um, but we know that there's voluntary quits that are very high. Retirements last year were significantly higher than in years past. What are you hearing from your clients in terms of the biggest challenges that they're facing in hiring people and also the impact that's having on their business? Yeah, it's um, it's been a very challenging year for many insurance companies, uh, if not most. The, um, there, there has been elevated levels of turnover so uh, historically, if we would have gone back 10, 12 years ago, um, it was common for many insurance organizations to have six to 8% total turnover, which included both voluntary and involuntary turnover. Now it's much more typical to be, uh, for companies to be operating with anywhere from 12 to 15% in total turnover. And uh, that's a combination of both the, um, you know, we have the voluntary turnover, which is high, there is elevated levels of retirement. So for many organizations that uh, typically will represent anywhere from two to 3% uh, of their, um, or two to three points of their turnover just due to retirement specifically. And um, we're, you know, at the beginning of the year, we heard anecdotal stories from company A versus company B. And now as we've gone out and keep talking to companies, every company, it seems to be having the issues. Um, one of the, Significant challenges with the virtual and work environment is now it's allowed employees to be poached from anywhere across the country. And uh, perhaps the biggest challenge that we're seeing is in uh, we'll talk, we've seen it in the underwriter roles, particularly for commercial lines companies, for uh, claimed roles, that's been a big issue because during the pandemic, many companies uh, paused on hiring, particularly in claims because of the reduced claim activity. And that carried on through the mid part of 2021. You know, now we fast forward, uh, many of these organizations in their claim staff in particular uh, are finding it difficult because some of those individuals left the insurance field completely to move into uh, other avenues. And that was easier for many of those claims roles. So for personal lines carriers, we saw that that was the number one function that they were hiring for. And then lastly, with uh, technology, we have seen a growth in, um, a growth in demand uh, in all roles, but in particular, information security and the um, 
uh, some of the development staff uh, has been a challenge for them to hire. So um, the interesting thing with all of that is uh, I definitely say it's significantly more challenging and we've seen that in our, um, our survey results for companies to hire all those areas. And um, the uh, expectation is that uh, that'll continue, particularly as the economy uh, continues to stay strong. Um, I should say uh, the insurance economy, you know, we're seeing the uh, increase in rate um, continue despite the uh, elevated levels of catastrophe activity. And so that additional premium that companies uh, will have will continue to fund uh, some of their labor goals. Okay, that's that's some really interesting stuff. Let me unpack that a little bit. First of all, it's really interesting. What you're saying is um, basically turnover, which you didn't even talk about uh, involuntary turnover, which is vir virtually negligible in the industry right now. So, but turnover basically is about double its historical average right now. So, are are you seeing companies change the way, change some of their strategies in return in, in regards to retention and also what they're, you know, they're, there's a lot going on about flexibility and things like that. What, what's the impact of all this? Are you seeing companies change how they're approaching their employees? Well, the, the first is, uh, you mentioned the flexible work environment. Um, everybody wants to know what everybody's doing with that too. Right. And, um, the majority of companies, I think we measured last, it was uh, about 86% of companies are now offering uh, a flexible work environment. And um, we actually just wrapped up an underwriting productivity study. It was fascinating that pre-pandemic uh, for like a personal lines underwriter, only 2% of employees were full-time remote. Now, when we look at that, uh, it was almost 30% of underwriters, uh, personal lines underwriters specifically, are full-time working remote. And that was about the same in commercial underwriters in terms of the percentage. So uh, there's been this uh, significant migration in terms of uh, offering flexibility of when and where work gets done. Um, so that is the probably the most significant benefit that companies have added. Uh, we've had other things where companies are also trying to do um, you know, more of the softer benefits being provided, whether it's additional time off, uh, vacation time off, um, or uh, even enhancing their other benefits programs, whether it's things like uh, paternity, uh, maternity leave. Uh, we've also seen you know, uh, the um, smaller benefits such as professional certifications, uh, tuition reimbursement, all those types of things uh, have increased significantly over the years. But uh, you know, candidly, I think the biggest issue is just finding ways to keep employees engaged in the remote working environment. Um, and uh, companies are just tr struggling with finding the right balance of how do you do that and provide the right uh, learning opportunities. And I think all of that is um, perhaps um, increasing the turnover levels that we're seeing is that there's just uh, you know, fewer employees that are engaged with the organization that may have felt committed the way they may have in the past. Right. I think companies are having to figure out new ways of keeping employees engaged. Um, and it has to be much more you know, thoughtful than it has in the past. One of the, it's funny that you said that um, you're seeing all, all, all of your clients are asking what each other's, what, what your other clients are doing. And I'm seeing exactly the same thing. And then you see, you know, kind of some high, high profile news articles, Elon Musk says, get in the, you know, if you don't have a desk, you don't have a job. And, and Jamie Dimon says the same type of thing. But 
uh, first of all, we're not really seeing that in the insurance industry. Um, and second of all, I have a feeling that any movement towards that direction is going to be stunted by the difficulty in retaining and attracting new employees. It's, it's going to be competitive. And if companies don't offer those things, they're going to be at a disadvantage. Are you seeing the same thing? Yeah, although, um, you know, I was just at a, um, a company last week and uh, their expectation, they told their employees that, you know, after Labor Day, they want them all to be back in the office at least three days a week. Um, are they an outlier? Um, perhaps, maybe. But um, I think that um, they, the balance of the flexible work environment and continuing and building the company culture. And uh, candidly, I think it also is important to develop employees in their own career progression, yeah. that there needs to be more of that face-to-face. -face. So my instinct is that we're going to get back to more of this hybrid model where you're going to see some more of that forced um, interaction. You know, and honestly, too, a lot of companies, they've invested significantly in their infrastructure, in their buildings during the pandemic, right? So they upgraded all these great home offices and things like that. And, uh, you know, they want to see it get used. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I completely agree. I, the way I actually see it is I think, you know, it's probably going to be roughly built into thirds. Uh, you're going to have a third of the companies that are probably going to stay remote on a uh, fully remote, a third will be hybrid. And what you're talking about is you, you're wondering if it's an outlier, uh, if a company is moving to three days a week, <laughs> you know, like two years ago, we wouldn't have ever thought that. And then there'll be maybe a third of the companies that say, hey, we want everybody back all, full time. And I'm just saying, uh, employees are going to have an, an opportunity to choose what they want from and that's going to be really at the top of the list. And that could drive some of these um, decisions by employers. Yeah, I think you're right. So, you know, another question that I'm at being asked a lot is um, whether or not the kind of stalling the economy, we don't know whether we're in a recession or not, but, you know, the, the changes in the economy is going to affect, um, you know, the, the labor market. I don't really see that as a long term, having a long term impact, but I'm curious as to whether or not you do. I don't think it'll have as much of an impact on insurance and um, insurance is incredibly resilient to all of the other kind of macroeconomic issues. Um, more companies than not right now have a uh, you know, significant number of open positions that they're trying to fill, um, which is why even when we've done our labor outlook that um, companies have not met their, you know, over the last, I think three iterations have not met their uh, hiring expectations. Um, so more positions are staying open, they're staying open longer. Uh, you've seen that as well. And um, so I think the outlook for labor in the insurance industry will remain strong. And this could actually provide some benefits because if certain areas of the economy, you know, we've talked, you know, that there's been issues with uh, many of the technical areas where they're declining, you know, you've even seen companies like, uh, whether it's like a Netflix or, uh, others that um, are um, downsizing. As other industries get impacted negatively, that opens up for more people to enter the insurance market. So there could actually be a side benefit from that in terms of how it helps uh, insurers kind of fill those open positions. Especially, especially in those technology-oriented uh, yeah. roles. Yeah. yeah, makes sense. Um, you mentioned uh, the the three areas that we saw in our study where there's the most demand is underwriting claims and technology uh, in, in the claims what we've seen over the last what 13 years that we've been doing this study is it kind of goes up and down there's a lot of it seems to me almost like companies say okay we're going to kind of cut expenses 
and the first place we're going to do it is in claims and then all of a sudden you know it get it gets a little bit more competitive and then service becomes really important they start adding more claims people what are you seeing is 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 that what it is or is there some other reason why there's such a demand right now for claims but it's not consistent well i think um a lot of it does tend to get impacted by weather catastrophes and, and things like that mm -hmm. But um, you know, we saw for the longest period of time, uh, for almost a 15-year period, a gradual decline in overall claims frequency. You know, just due to, you know, better safety procedures. Uh, cars were, you know, designed more safely. Um, a lot of those benefits have probably, you know, started to um, temper in terms of the continual decrease in claim frequency. In a lot of areas now, we're starting to see uh, growing uh, claims activity. So um, that's part of the reason why I think we'll start to continue to see uh, demand in some of the claims um, areas. And then uh, certainly with the supply chain issues and the severity of claims that are starting to come through, it's providing a lot more attention for companies to build analytics around evaluating their claims, the claims processes, and um, uh, you know, just having better supply chain management. So some of those I think are gonna continue to um, though th that will keep claims in the front eye uh, for a while in terms of uh, needing to fill those positions. Mm -hmm. uh, let's just talk a little bit about wages. Um, the BLS has a report that comes out on, on um, uh, hourly wages in the industry and and you know how accurate that is, we don't really know. But uh, I looked at it, the average um, increase for in uh, according to the BLS in the insurance industry uh, has been about four and a half percent for the last six months over year over year. Uh, in fact, though, the last month of the study, which was, I think, um, June or July, it was actually like eight percent or something. That's probably an anomaly. Uh, that's why I like to look at the average. But I mean, I, you know, I, I, I think that um, there are there are we're not seeing raises like that for existing employees yet you have to also have to factor the in, the increased cost of bringing in new employees what are you seeing in short term or you know in the arrears but also maybe in the future in terms of raises yeah going into uh this year a lot of companies were kind of targeting that uh i'd say on average it's probably a little bit closer to 3.3 percent um then you know if you take back Prior to 2008 and the recession, it was common for companies to be targeting 4% merit increase. It was kind of like clockwork. That was what it was every year. And then after the recession in 2008 and nine, it continued on that. Then we were seeing 3% and in many years, it was even just below 3%. So um, I think what we are seeing is that reset back to those 4% levels. Um, it is very typical for most organizations as we're talking to them for next year, that they're anticipating um, in likelihood that they'll need merit adjustments in the four to four and a half percent range in some cases if they're below market. And that's just for merit. Um, the BLS information that you're seeing, I'd say is uh, fairly accurate um, because uh, when companies that were planning for 3.3%, let's say this year, they needed to make so many market adjustments and mid-year market adjustments as well, that um, it's likely, uh, I do anticipate that we'll probably see somewhere around four and a half percent is the number for this year. And then uh, won't be surprised if we're even above 5% in 2023 when you take in the impact of both uh, merit and market adjustments. Wow. And the point that you mentioned earlier with the new hires is it's rare that companies are able to fill, uh, I don't want to say rare, but uh, many of times when they're hiring new people, they are being hired at a, a higher level. 
the, the last point on that too is, you know, we saw with our study that it was right around 75% of the positions are expected to be filled with experienced people. So, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, filling a, an experienced role with an experienced person, you know, that usually comes at a higher premium. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the industry, um, I, I was surprised by that as well. I mean, the industry still is really focused on prior experience for almost all positions. I mean, there's some some roles where maybe 20% uh, of the new employees they add will be, um, you know, uh, kind of entry level types of roles. But it, for the most part, everybody's looking for experience. Yeah, yeah especially <laughs> in the more the more demanding roles like actuary, or I'm sorry, analytics, technology, uh, and underwriting is where they really want that experience. Whereas, uh, they're willing to develop their own from the ground up in the operations and some of the claims areas. Is there anything uh, that you think going forward um, is going to that that companies need to look out for that we haven't discussed yet? Well, I think um, you know driving a lot of this is the um, you know overall customer experience, right, and improving uh, all the systems and processes to. Um, you know, enhance that customer experience. So I think we're probably in a position that from the, um, because of the rising cost of claims and, and um, the average cost per claim itself increasing so significantly over the last couple of years, that the, there could be continue to be some rate and premium increases uh, that will at least drive uh, those um, forward. So I think companies will, uh, in all likelihood be, very well positioned from a strong balance sheets, uh, continued growth and premium that you know they that should be able to allow them to fund their future investments in their their labor force as well. Yeah. All right, Jeff. Thank you so much for uh, taking time to to talk about this in uh, greater detail. I think we shared some really interesting insights that we didn't talk about in the in the um, webinar that where we revealed the uh, statistics on the study. So appreciate your uh, time, and we'll look forward to doing this again in six months. All right. Sounds great, Greg. Thanks. Thanks everyone for listening. We hope that you found this information valuable. If you'd like to review the full summary of the study's findings, click the link in the episode notes.